Hey everyone, is this a great day for a podcast or what? No storms, no bad weather, at least not where I am. Sorry if you are, but you know the old saying, if you don't like the weather, stick around, it'll change. So stick around and I'm going to tell you a story about a bad day, weather-wise. See, in Savannah, in South Georgia, back in 1881, they had a really bad day. It was over a devil of a hurricane. The carnage started several miles south of the city where at the Sportsman Club on Wolf Island, the home of the caretaker, Mr. Stokes, was ripped from the foundation and pushed into the river. Floodwaters crashed in the doors and windows and swept his wife and children into the river. His entire family drowned. Only Stokes survived, and then he walked 60 miles to Savannah to report the event. I'm J.D. Bias. Welcome to History by GPS, where you travel through history and culture, GPS location by GPS location. So click on your favorite map app and follow along. Today I'm going to give you a general GPS location right in the main square of the city, Johnson Square. Then you can find the other places mentioned on our website, historybygps.com. Now, that location in Johnson Square, that's where the weather station kiosk used to sit before the storm. And the coordinates for that are 32.079861 degrees by negative 81.091488 degrees. Now from East Broad Street to West Broad Street, few buildings escaped the fury and damage of the storm. And as you may know, West Broad Street is now MLK Boulevard, should you be visiting Savannah. This hurricane predated the naming of storms by almost 70 years. In 1881, it was simply called Hurricane 5. And it was only a class two hurricane but 700 people died in the area around the city, and 355 of those were within the city limits. It was one of the deadliest hurricanes in American history. The mayor's report for the year reported, quote, a hurricane of unparalleled violence occurred on the 27th of August last, doing great damage to property in the city and vicinity. The exchange and market buildings were seriously damaged, and all of this belonging to the city were more or less injured. The wharf at the quarantine station, that's out at uh, Tybee Island, was swept away and the buildings destroyed. The fire alarm telegraph wires were broken in many places and leveled to the ground, and a great number of the shade trees blown down. In the Atlantic, it started as a tropical storm, and then it rolled to the northeast to the Lesser Antilles Islands on August 22nd. And then it bounced up off of Florida and headed to Savannah. By August 24th, it reached hurricane strength. On August 27th, it hit land directly at the mouth of the Ogeechee River at high tide, pushing a 15-foot storm surge. In Savannah, wind gusts blew the wind gauge away after recorded wind speed of 80 miles an hour. The intense damage resulted because Hurricane 5, though it was only estimated to be 
class two in strength. Well, it came to Savannah and it stayed for two days. Hmm, that's about the same length of time the tourists hang around here. Anyway, small but slow storms can do as much damage or more than larger storms. After wreaking havoc on the area, the hurricane beeline due west. Now, at the old Savannah Morning News building, it's there on the corner of Bay Street and Whitfield Street, the squall peeled the roof back like a key-rolled tin top on a sardine can. The damage was severe, and the water came through the ceiling into the editorial and makeup departments, then into the press and paper storage rooms. As one Alabama newspaper described, the compositors of the newspaper finished their work in ankle-deep water. The news must get out, you know. Over at City Market, the building sustained damage as well. Now, many of those structures are still there. Also damaged was the old exchange building that stood where the Gold Dome City Hall stands today. The trees around the area fell and smashed fences, business signs, and lamp posts, and threw debris all across the streets and intersections. The black communities along the waterways were hit the hardest. David Bowens and his wife and his children were washed into the river. All of them drowned. Now south of Savannah, on Shad Island, just downstream from Fort McAllister on the Yogichi River, Henry Douglas's wife and four children were lost when the surge rose and swept them into the marsh. Other huts along the waterway suffered the same fate. All of the residents of Douglas's small fishing settlement died in the storm, with the exception of Douglas. The plantation of former Fort McAllister commander Major George W. Anderson out on Ogeechee Road was hit with wind strong enough to blow down his barn and kill two horses. Now, some of you history buffs may remember that that plantation was where Union General William Tecumseh Sherman made his headquarters when he surrounded Savannah in 1864. I'll talk about that incident and the capture of Fort McAllister in another episode. Oh, I forgot. Remember to follow the podcast. That way you'll be notified when new episodes come out. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. You know how to do it. Click the button. Also, go to History by GPS where you'll find other GPS locations that are mentioned in this episode. You'll also find our merchandise and books. We have t-shirts, cups, other things, other gift items that some of them feature the episode you're listening to, as well as products that highlight historic Savannah, Georgia. Oh, and another thing. If you have any information you want to give or state your opinion on this topic, please go to the comments and write it. It's on the website. I'd love to hear from you. Now back to newspaper articles. The roundhouse plantation that was owned by Joseph Clay was totally demolished. All of the buildings and many of the animals were blown into the river and swept to who knows where. One article on the storm claimed that on August 26th, the Savannah Morning News had an article about the storm, but the U.S. Signal Corps issued no official warning. August 27th was a Saturday, 
And despite some squally weather in the morning, many people went to Tybee Island to the beach to get out of the heat. To them, the fresh northeasterly wind may have seemed welcome after a long summer of steamy heat in a city. The early morning ferries had brought hundreds of people to Tybee Wharf where then they got on a mule-drawn streetcar and drove them to the beach, over to the Ocean House, which was a 40-room hotel with a large, popular restaurant. Now, by lunchtime, it was too late. The water was rough for the ferries, and at that time, there were no roads from Tybee Island to the mainland. Another article said that in Savannah itself, the damage was horrific. Almost all of the buildings lost the roofs, including major buildings like the Savannah Cotton Exchange and the office of the Savannah Morning News, which we talked about a while ago. Also damaged was the U.S. Signal Corps. When the U.S. Signal Corps building was destroyed, along with the weather instruments, but the barometer was found and it read 29.8. Wind was just over 85 miles per hour at that time. But the storm continued to worsen from that. All of the accounts from the 1881 hurricane stressed the extreme violence of the wind in Savannah. Savannah proper was out of reach of the tides because it sits about 40 feet above the river. So the tidal surge couldn't reach it on the high bluff. But the winds were enough to cause terrible damage on their own. The death toll in Savannah itself was 355. That was from collapsing buildings, flying tin roofs, collapsing chimneys, and flying glass and falling trees. As the accounts from outlying communities came in, and from poor black housing, the low marshes and riverbanks, and from Tybee, the death toll was somewhere in the area of 700 people. But experience has shown us that deaths from hurricanes, especially in poor and outlying black communities, uh, they were poorly documented. This has a similar study of the 1893 Sea Islands hurricane. The station at Lazaretto Creek on Tybee Island became a ruin of tangled lumber and sails, lines, and palm limbs. That's about all that was out there. The wreckage included the wharf, the houses, the boats, the furniture, and all of the medical supplies for the facility. The crew of the Spanish bark Marietta abandoned ship early in the night and rode out the storm hanging onto the rafters of the hospital. Later the men found that their ship was still afloat, but the mast and all of the rigging had been blown away. Residents in Savannah weathered out the storm in darkness because, as I mentioned earlier, the gas streetlight globes were smashed by the debris that found them in their path. The damage was the worst that any of the oldest city residents could remember. Even the devastating storm of 1854 brought less damage than the long-duration winds of that in 1881. Leaving Savannah, the devil storm moved westward, damaging forest and property, only to fizzle out someplace in Mississippi, two states to the west. And things changed over at Trustee's Garden, though it was unchronicled in newspapers. In the wake of the destruction, the renovation at the Gasworks Retort Building changed it into the style we see today, holding the same five-bay footprint that it did back during the Civil War. A stone plaque on the northwest corner of the Morris Center, across from the Pirate's House, 
commemorates the event, suggesting a near total rebuild at that time. That old building dates from about 1853, at least in part. And the retort building is where they cook the coal to make the streetlight gas for about 100 years. After the hurricane, a more substantial structure wrapped around the columns to form a shell-like cover, making a lighter colored brick column of the building we see today, should you visit there. Across Morris Park to the southeast, on the west end of the old Kehoe Ironworks foundry, the pillars for the enclosure hid the evidence of the same catastrophic damage. Well, hid it for over a century. A few years ago, I was a history consultant for the renovation project at Trustees Garden. I found that a lot of hurricane damage from 1881 was hidden under the facades of brick and mortar today. The hurricane's damage was finally revealed in an archaeological record 134 years later, while very talented artisans repaired and renewed the structure. You could see the old shattered wall and the pillar sections under a newer brickwork that we still see today. Mother Nature and the old buildings are a lot like people, I suppose. Time tends to cover and plaster old damage. And usually that damage is still buried under layers of tears and patches and band-aids. For buildings, it's physical and structural. For people, it's physical and psychological. As for the Devil's Storm, it left Savannah and moved westward, damaging forest and property and until it finally fizzled out over Mississippi on August 29th. So, if you didn't already know this story, now you know. Don't forget to check out our books and merchandise on historybygps.com and leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. See you next time. Bye.